guys, oh my god, I think, I think it's Anime Death Spiral. We're back again, the only anime podcast that can fit in a dime bag. Now, <laughs> I have some very time-sensitive and pressing news for you, Nate. Oh god. This is gonna blow you up. Tell me. This is gonna blow you up and away. Up, up, and away. I am sitting on the edge of my seat. This is for Nate, but also for all of you. Listen, if you can do it, you need to get yourself over to Akiba because there is a gushing over Magical Girls pop-up cafe. <laughs> that is right. Your favorite new anime is getting a pop-up cafe right in Akiba. I have <laughs> so many questions. The strip, right? Or is that just the game? I don't I don't actually know Akiba. Uh, well, no, Akiba is... I assume they're, that's just the shortened verge of Akihabara, right? And that's what everyone kind of refers to it as. Akiba. Don't don't ask me. I don't know shit. I'm telling you. You know these are facts. In America we we don't learn geography. <laughs> ask me how many state capitals I can remember. Uh wait, how many there are total or what they actually are named? I have no fucking clue either one. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> how many states are there? I don't even know. There's 50 states. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure about that? Because what about Puerto Rico? Oh, shit. Are we taking a stand? Are we taking a stand there or what? I mean, I'm unequivocally. (laughs) (laughs) He he can't even bring himself to joke about it. (laughs) Gushing over Magical Girls Pop-Up Cafe. Go. What is... (laughs) What are your expectations? What do you want? What are you afraid of? Okay, so, I mean, mean, first off, when you say this, I'm imagining something kind of like those chain restaurants where the gimmick, right, is that all the servers are, like, rude to you. You you know what I'm talking about? Oh, interesting, interesting angle. I was... When you said chain restaurant, I immediately thought Hooters. Maybe that's just me being uh, overly typical. No, I think that's also on the right track. I think that what we're, what I'm envisioning is kind of like a meld of Hooters and... Maid cafes. Well, it's obviously a maid cafe. Dick's Last Resort. That's what you're thinking yeah, of. I am thinking of Dick's Last right? Resort. You're you're totally where, right. Where they're rude to you? Yes. I'm still not 100% convinced that Dick's Last Resort is like, that's their gimmick. And it's it's not just that the people are fed up with your bullshit. It can be both. That's not mutually exclusive. You're right. It's not mutually exclusive. They they only hire people that are already on that edge of, like, snapping, right? Well, I feel like just dealing with drunk people all day, every day, is just so tiresome. I mean, having worked at, at an amusement park when I was a teenager, yeah, I, I can confidently <laughs> yeah. say that is true. It really sucks. It really sucks. That's why I, I feel so much for these, like, maid cafe girls. I don't know if any of them are, like, alcoholic. I guess that would, those would be the hostess bars, right? Yeah, that's kind of a different thing, the hostess bars. They got bars. a seedier vibe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is, like, much tangentially closer to sex work than I would say a maid cafe is. Yes. Uh, we, we call it hostessing because we're polite. Yes. <laughs> And also, you know, the best part of Yakuza 0, I'm just going to say that. I mean, that's true. That's true. I spent more time playing my maid cafe uh, hostess bar thing uh, than the entire rest of the game. And I'm, I don't think that's even a unique experience. No, I think that's pretty common. I didn't even finish Yakuza 0. I just did all of the side missions and then kind of got bored with the main story <laughs> because it wasn't funny. Yeah. I, so I think this, this maid cafe thing, I feel like... The, the big problem they're running into is, okay, you can't just do a Magical Girl Maid Cafe because there's a billion of those already, You've right? been there, done that. You need to put the Gushing Over Magical Girl twist on it, but the whole twist of Gushing Over Magical Girls is 
that you're doming the magical girls. So like how what what part of customer service um, is coming into play here? Well, OK, first of all, I just want to point out that uh I wouldn't call it doming because it lacks that element of consent that I think makes it makes it okay to do. Uh, no, gushing over magical girls is about sexually assaulting magical girls. <laughs> we're trying to uh, we're trying to stay in the spirit of anime. <laughs> I don't think that that is outside of the spirit of anime at all. But. Okay, well, I don't want to spoil gushing over magical girls, the intricate plot details, but it turns out that like maybe this is more consensual than it first appears. That's all. That's all oh. I'm going to say. I'm not defending gushing over magical girls. I'm just saying. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, that is an interesting angle that I was not aware of. I've only seen the first five minutes of the first episode. I had to bounce out <laughs> after that. It's not good. It's, it's definitely creepy shit. Yeah. But what would the gimmick I'm of, really this, of this maid cafe be? Like, what do you go there? And are the, the servers magical girls? Are they tre- dressed up as characters from the show? See, I, I have no prior knowledge. So obviously this is all intuition, but I have to, it's 100% a lock that they're dressed as magical girls. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the thing that is unclear is whether when you get served your food, you're allowed to like, I don't know. Hit hit the magical girl with a riding crop or something. <laughs> it's like I guess I guess do the part core... of their clothes come off when they when they drop the food off at your table? I really struggling to come up with like what is happening. Yeah, here. I guess the core of my confusion in in here is in this scenario, who is gushing over who? Uh, you are gushing over them. But what if you're going there to be gushed over by them? Is that not an angle that that it's possible? I mean, that's certainly possible. It seems less Isn't that likely. Why, like uh, these these horrible lonely dudes go to these maid cafes? <laughs> no, because like the master slave relationship. I shouldn't say it's slave. Uh, the master. No, um, you can you can say that. Uh, um, master servant relationship <laughs> uh, is in in its very essence a domination kink you know uh. <laughs> now see the, did you when you obviously very famously went to japan it's true you've actually done the thing you did the damn thing it is as they say did you go to any of these themed cafes i don't remember i don't think i don't think you told me about that no no i i, I didn't because when you're walking down any of the main streets in akihabara yeah they're like lined up with like promoter girls, basically, right? Hand, they're dressed in the costume and they're handing out flyers, right, uh, right? For for all of the maid cafes or whatever theme cafe they want you to go to, and yeah, just the overwhelming vibe of like seediness, yeah. Like they make no, they make no attempt really at disguising that that they don't want to be doing this, and I didn't want to be seeing them do that just as much i would say <laughs> i must avert my eyes it, it, it felt exploitative and wrong in a in a way that i've never really experienced firsthand before uh, it made me very uncomfortable every time they would they would come up to me and like basically shove these flyers into our hands well yes and and you're not really much of a city boy to begin with no i'm a i'm a cornbread country boy don't you know yep yeah, you grew up among the stocks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
he who walks among the so, rows. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't go. I didn't go to any maid cafes. Uh, we didn't go to any animal cafes either. Yeah. Uh, basically, for the same reason. It, those seem less <laughs> exploitative, but still kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you, they are still incredibly exploitative. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever get to Japan, but I think I would like to do a maid cafe. Just one, maybe just like the, you know, whatever, the most popular one or the mainstream one, just so I can get a clear, concrete definition of them in my mind, you know, because these are so prevalent in the horrible anime that we watch. (laughs) They're Mm -hmm. everywhere. Characters are getting jobs there. Characters are visiting there. Uh, characters are trying to start these things. They're doing school festival versions of them. Did you ever watch any of uh, Akiba Made War? Oh God, no! But I, I've I've heard of it through its reputation. Yeah, it's not great, uh, but but it, it's yes, it is that premise where you know it's it's literally about like all of these made cafes are fronts for like criminal organizations that are having like shadow wars with each other. But the girls have to fight, right? Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Let me be perfectly clear here. These are female-centric, female-led criminal organizations. The girls are in control. Well, that's very feminist of them. <laughs> you know, the biggest thing, the honestly, the bottom line for me is I do not find uh, made outfits appealing in any way. I don't get it. It's I don't get it. I mean, outside of the kink like domination fetish. Well, thing. there's that. Obviously, I think a big part of it why it's popular in Japan is like that francophile streak that kind of runs yes, through I, through everything there. I think so too. I think so too. But like honestly, um, that that hasn't been a thing in France. <laughs> you know, in like I don't know, eighty years. Well, yeah, that's part of it though. It's it's they. It's part of this adoration of an idealized version of that, right? Kind of like, kind of like steampunk nerds in Victorian England. Ah, uh, yes, the return. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're not the only ones guilty of that. I'll I'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Look, I I every time we get into this thing, I I end up feeling gross. Let's just let's let's move on from this. Let me let me say one more thing. Let me say one more thing. Okay, go, if go you for it, ever go for do it. make it to Japan, uh, I don't think you should go to a maid cafe. I think you should go to a butler cafe. Yeah, yeah, or or a prince cafe. Yeah, which by the way, I found very something just I found very interesting about that whole industry. Yeah, is that that most of the servers at those like butler or prince or idol like male idol cafes that you can go to. Yeah. Uh, they're all, they're all women in drag. They're not usually staffed by actual like male servers in the Butler Prince samurai style cafes. They're all women too. I don't know about samurai, but definitely the Butler, the butlers and the princes. I'm assuming about the samurai thing. You'd think that must be a thing, right? That may be a bit harder to pull off with the, with the shaved head (laughs) and the top knot. (laughs) Yeah. They have to wear a bald wig at work every day. Oh my god. Can you imagine the fucking breakouts on your skin? Ugh. 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 All right. Let's let's stop talking. Oh, yeah, about that's this. disgusting. That's yeah. fucking disgusting. You made okay, it weird. you told me you played you played you played some anime, right? You you were talking about playing anime recently. Let's I talk did. about that instead. Let's talk about playing some anime. Uh, you know what just came out was that Persona 3 remake. Or Persona 3 Reload. Now, as we've mentioned before, probably the single most anime video game ever made. Possibly. I can't think of another one. Possibly. I want to say, like, Phoenix Wright, maybe. 
like those are pretty anime, you know, any, any visual novel really kind of straddles that border. Yeah. You know, there's just something about persona three that I think pushes it over the edge for me, you know, like obviously lots of visual novels have gotten anime and Phoenix Wright even has a live action movie, which uh, we still need to watch by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I need to get back around to that one. Cause I heard that one's actually funny. <laughs> uh, but like the, you know, because persona has large, intricate, actual anime cutscenes in it, the subject matter itself, you know, yeah, all it, of that stuff kind of adds up to anime, anime, anime. I mean, I, I agree. I'd say the persona games, like you said, they have a non-zero amount of actual anime in them. Like they have full on animated cutscenes. Like you said, they have animated jammed into that shit i mean the persona 5 anime was literally just the cutscenes from the game strung together with added scenes yes very convenient for people who didn't want to play the absolutely atrocious dungeon grinding sorry guys i i love persona i'm i'm just we let's be honest it that part sucks it, it truly does you know i i can't remember if i've mentioned on this show how you fucked up the first time you played persona yeah yeah it, yeah we've talked about that we've talked about that you you're bad at persona games it took you a while to figure it well, out well i was just so enamored with the anime aspect of it i wanted to spend all day doing the school like socializing stuff yeah and and talking to all the different people that's the cool stuff it is the cool that's stuff. the fun stuff now i i do want to point out that as long as we're talking about the grindy video gamey aspect of these games persona 3 has the best mechanism amongst all of them for initiating them you know what i'm talking about no elaborate on that Okay, so I haven't played Persona 4, but in Persona 5, like, you just kind of, like, go to the Phantom Realm, right? Whenever you need to. There's, like, a portal that you can find that takes you to the grindy stuff to go to a dungeon. Well, there... Uh, it, or or you jump into the dreams. Yes, in 4, you, you go into the Channel Zero-style television. Mm-hmm. In 5, you issue a, uh, a Phantom Heart... I don't know, challenge, I guess. Yeah, you drop off your uh, your Lupin calling card or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In three, you shoot yourself in the head. Yes, yes. This is the best thing that Persona <laughs> has ever done. <laughs> I fucking love that. It, it's so cool. The first time that I played Persona 3 when it you know was released in America on PS2, and the opening cutscene where it's kind of like this abbreviated uh, intro of how the character ended up where he is. Yeah. And he's getting attacked by the demon shadow monsters or whatever. And just a gun materializes in front of him and instinctually without having to be told what to do. He's like, all right, well, <laughs> uh, guess I'm out. <laughs> Peace <laughs> later. Y'all Peace, motherfucker. Oh, wait, I'm not dead. It, it gave me superpowers. I guess that's cool too. God, that's even better. How do you think, I don't think they ever explain it in the game how they know that to activate their persona powers, they need to shoot themselves in the head. Who do you think was the first person to to explain that to them? How do you figure that out? Well, in most Persona games, there's a cutesy mascot that will tell you how to do it. I can't remember the cutesy mascot. I thought it was like a fucked up little butler dude. There is a fucked up little butler dude, but he's the one in the, uh, what do they call it? The Velvet Room? <laughs> Wait, no, that's <laughs> that's a local bar. Uh, 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 the Red Room. Wait, no, that's Twin Peaks. <laughs> Fuck. There's some kind of room. The Fun Room. <laughs> the Waiting Room. Are you looking it up? <laughs> I need to know. Oh my God. The Velvet Room. It is the Velvet Room. The Velvet Room. room. <laughs> it is the Velvet Room. Nice. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's where the creepy butler guy is. 
um, weird little penguin-looking motherfucker. And he, he looks like a penguin crossed with riffraff. Yeah, I would say he he's kind of like the uh, the heron from Boy and the Heron in human form, but also uh, the butler from Sunset Boulevard. Kind of kind of like that. <laughs> those are your touchstones. Yeah, those are my touchstones. <laughs> the most recent Ghibli movie and Sunset Boulevard. Well, I was really going for a theme, if you couldn't tell. (laughs) (laughs) How much have you played so far? Obviously, this is notorious for being like 400 hours long. Not not that much. I just downloaded and installed it yesterday because it's on Game Pass. Yeah. So I maybe like the first five days of school I've done so far. So like barely touched it. Wow. I know, but I'm liking it. You know, obviously I like Persona. I played most of persona five didn't didn't make it all the way through that one either <laughs> it, it is an issue i'm gonna be honest it is an issue with those games slogging through the grindy shit because they don't let you really beat around it it is for better or worse a major aspect of playing the games oh yeah you gotta grind dungeons dog there's no way around it uh you know the thing about persona five for me personally is that you can't take the main character's glasses off oh i hate that I hated that. He looks like such a nerd. Hey, look, I wear glasses now, so I can say that. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that, okay? You can't say that. You're not one of us. Four eyes, that's our word. You 2020 <laughs> motherfucker. Uh, so I, I always liked the designs in, in Persona 3 a lot better. And in fact, I like the designs in Persona 2 the best because they kind of have a, like a JoJo flair to them they were a little bit more flamboyant uh i will say they toned it down as the series went along i feel so i'm looking i'm looking at the main character from persona 3 yeah and i think by far of the persona main characters these guys definitely have the coolest school uniform because it is essentially just a standard black and white two-piece suit you know coat and coat and pants the white shirt They have a ribbon bow tie instead of a traditional tie, it would seem. Oh, is it a it is a ribbon tie? Because yeah. uh, for some reason in my mind, it was a bolo tie, which is so cool. No, it's not a bolo tie. It's close. It's a ribbon tie. Aww. What I'm rather uncomfortable with, though, is the uh, red and black armband and badge that's apparently part of the school uniform oh yes yeah you know does not have the same stigma as it does in the west uh that's just what you know one of those things they just see things differently over there (laughs) they got a whole different culture over there you hear about this (laughs) now of the three persona games that i'm familiar with three four and five i think four he's like four main character is the most boring i don't like his design at all uh, also, his glasses are stupid. Yeah, I definitely like the th- Persona Three Protag the best. I think he's cool. He's got kind of like a, a androgynous look to him. But, you know, as much as the armband, it does creep me out. It is nice to have a little bit of a flair uh, in the outfit. He does have that uh, Chuni disease haircut, though. Yes, he's the, uh, definitely the got swept over mop over his eye. Big emo vibes. Yeah, a big Death Cab fan. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Death Cab. Yeah. Uh, you think he's the kind of dude who would like get up in arms about Midwest emo and like true emo? <laughs> no, no. I think that's actually the Persona 5 MC, which I'm going to say, I don't think that three main character is a My Chemical Romance fan. I think that is squarely on five. That's five. Yeah. Yeah. He has the flamboyant nature 
to really appreciate the Black Parade. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. You know, the thing is, I like four. I think I had the best time with four just because it was like the first Persona game I I went all in on. But also, Uh I really like the setting of the rural town over the, the city. The rural town. See, I'm I'm least familiar with four, so I didn't know that it, w- it was in a a. It's a country setting. Yeah, it's more of a small town country vibe to it than the the big city ones. I don't know. I feel like there's something fundamental about about the big city high school experience for these games. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a good thing in four. Again, I haven't played it, but that sounds like it could be a good shakeup to the formula. I think it was interesting. Yeah. Obviously, obviously they went straight back to. Tokyo high schools for five. Yeah. I also, I, you know, I'm split because I also think I might like the, the teddy bear mascot more than the cat mascot. Oh, right. The cat mascot from five. Now I remember. Yeah. He's a cat burglar. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Uh, What was the mascot from three? Is it, is it just the gun? You're playing it. You tell me. Oh, it's the dog. (gasps) The dog. The dog. He's like a little angel dog. Inu. Yeah. With headphones. And then Kuma. Uh-huh. And then uh neck neko. Dog, bear, cat, TV, man, woman. Food, drink, <laughs> man, woman. This section is brought to you by Duolingo. <laughs> Please give us ad uh, money. Word by word, I'm I'm slowly getting there. Uh but yeah, I don't know. I'm Ningen. <laughs> Ningen. Ningen. So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm early in, but I do like these persona games. I wanna I wanna take a better shot at playing this one. Because I do at its core, I do like the gameplay aspect of kind of the i don't know cyberpunk demon pokemon that's basically <laughs> what it is yeah have you ever considered playing a, a shin megami tensei game because that's all that stuff i have i have considered playing that but you know half of them in english are on the ds which you can no longer buy <laughs> and the other ones are the early ones are still only fan translated so i feel like there's a bit a bigger barrier of entry trying to get into Shin Megami Tensei than than with the Persona games. Sure, sure. So. Uh, they they definitely can appear uh, completely mystifying from the outside. Yeah, but you also played some anime, didn't you? Oh, enough about Persona. I want to talk about some other anime that you played. All right, all right. Let's talk about some other anime. You know, we are the podcast that is incredibly uh, timely. Uh, we talk about all the breaking news, obviously. We got the hot news. We got the hot news. We're on the pulse of the culture. We got that hot gushing news. And so, of course, I mean, I would be remiss to not talk about the biggest thing happening right now. The Final Fantasy VII uh, Rebirth demo dropped. Hell yeah. It's actually part one of the demo, by the way. I don't know if you heard <laughs> that. They're no. releasing a part two of the demo later on. I unironically love that. I mean, it sucks and that's stupid, but I also <laughs> love that it kind of harkens back to those early days of, of demos, like half demos you would get, like five vertical slices on a single disc in a Game Informer magazine. Sure. I like that. It's it's very strange. I think the strangest thing, I mean, besides splitting a demo up into two parts, is that the game comes out at the end of the month. And... This is this isn't like a game where it's like, hey, you want to check it out? Here's a little bit of our content. You know, do you what do what do you think? You want to play this game? This is Final Fantasy VII. I mean, like what what? This is a sequel to the remake of Final Fantasy VII. So we're going into people being highly invested in whatever this game is right yeah. off the bat, right? 
it's yeah, it's like who who exactly is the target demo for a uh, oh fuck, I fucked myself up. For the demo. People who have never heard of Final Fantasy VII, uh, either original or remake, and just download demos, I guess. There's still, there's still got to be people like that. I mean, I download demos from time to time. I mean, all of my media picks are, are pre-vetted and screened years in advance. Yes, yes. I don't have time to gamble. <laughs> uh, so, okay, that's, that is weirdness one. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a whole cascading weirdness list. Real quick, what is included on part one of the demo that they couldn't fit and they have to release a second one? I just want to know that. That's that's weirdness number two. (laughs) The content of the demo is the cloud Nibelheim flashback. Like the entire thing? All of it. Everything up to the most iconic Sephiroth shot in Final Fantasy history. Do they show the shot? They show the shot. Okay, so that's they like shoot a, the shot. a non-insignificant portion of, of the original game. That's like an hour. That's like an hour of gameplay. Yes, and of course, in the, the spirit of JRPGs, they have extended it out. It is now like two or three hours for this whole sequence. So, so I okay. This is just my guess. I'm totally spitballing here. Maybe the part two of the demo is going to feature like open world stuff, or is that in? It will. No, okay. it will. It, they they talked a little bit about it. It's going to be you riding chocobos around the the open world part. Okay, I, I guess that makes sense. That I mean, at this point, they're basically releasing what 15 years ago would be considered an entire fucking game. Yeah, uh, it's wild. Uh, it's just. I was I was a little flabbergasted because I didn't know exactly what was happening, what was going to happen in the demo. And then they drop uh, one of the, you know, one of the most, if not iconic, uh, consequential sequence of events uh, in the entire series as the little taste test, the uh, Costco sampler f- for the main game. And I'm like, that is... Well, I can't. I just can't imagine what the thinking is. <laughs> I know that simplest explanation is that that's just that's where the game is going to start. Like that is going to be the first couple hours of the of the release. But still, like, wouldn't you I mean that save- lines up with the progression of the original game? You know, the remake ends with the gang finally getting out of uh, Midgar, right? Yes, and everything kind of kind of is ambiguous and open from there. Yeah, and in in the equivalent of that time in the original game that's like end of disc one and it introduces the open world and the first place you go is nibbleheim so that makes sense yeah i still think it's weird that they release that entire segment as the demo for the game yeah isn't that bizarre yeah uh now they don't they don't give away the big twist uh which is like okay good i guess i mean i'm not i'm a huge final fantasy 7 fan and i'm not even sure what you're referring to as the big twist because there's like five or six that 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 could uh, uh, refer back to in that segment of the story alone well so the big twist in my mind spoilers putting a spoiler tag folks. spoilers whoa spoilers for fucking final fantasy 7 the demo part one demo part one this is this is immediately complicated because of how weird the last one ended. I, you know, the the last thing you see in the the previous game is Zach being alive for some reason. Yes, yeah, uh, and I have my own theories about what that was, but uh, that's not what this is about. <laughs> yes, that is a very strange thing. I mean, that is obviously that's what they're going for. Is like, mm-hmm. hey, guess what? Uh, you know, uh, 
flat. Time is a flat circle. Time is a flat wheel. But that immediately complicates the entire cloud telling the Nibelheim story. You know what I mean? I, I would love it if if he finishes telling the story to all of them uh, and Zach just busts into the room and is like, that, but that's not how it happened. Let me tell you my side of the story. <laughs> Hey, we're getting a real Rashomon here. You know, the thing, I guess it makes me a little sad, though, because, uh, you know, I played um, the Zack game, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did, too. I didn't play the the recent remake of it. I played the remake, not the original. I played the the original PSP version. Yeah, Crisis Core. Mm -hmm. And the ending of that game is really cool. I mean, they basically just, they do the Halo Reach ending, right? Right. But it's really good and it's really like emotionally impactful, right? I, I think a lot of that game is too goofy to ever actually invoke a lot of dramatic feelings it's going for, but that ending, that's fucking cool shit, dude. One of my favorite things about the ongoing media franchise that is Final Fantasy Seven is <laughs> once you <laughs> juggernaut. Yeah. Well, once you take like a bit now that it's existed for, you know, uh almost twenty years. Once you take like a backed up, zoomed out view of everything that is the series, you start seeing all of the super weird shit in every game that is just dropped after after the first time it's introduced. Right. Yep. Like, yep. It, we're talking about Crisis Core. Does anyone remember that Gact was in those games? Do you remember the Japanese yeah, pop star? Yes. Gact? That's so fucking insane. Hey, I love Gacto. Gacto. I love Gact. I was way I was a big cact fan in high school. Dude uh, fucking rules. And and I and he's just introduced in Crisis Core is like, "Oh yeah, this is the guy that trained Sephiroth and he's even more crazy and badass than Sephiroth." <laughs> Whoa, Sephiroth learned from Gact? So cool. That's fucking cool, dude. Or 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 uh Zach's what was his teacher's name? Angeal. Angeal, yes. Basically Angelo, but they couldn't quite get to it. Yeah, and, and that dude is never mentioned again outside of the context of Crisis Core, even though, according to that game, him, Angeal, or Angeal, Gact, and Sephiroth, like, formed some kind of unholy apocalypse trio. Well, yeah. Okay, so the, here's a cool thing about this this retelling of the Nibelheim thing is they actually do kind of hint at the at the Angeal-Zach uh, relationship. Really? Uh, which is funny because obviously Cloud doesn't really know anything about it. There's a couple. Let me let me tell you the cool things about the demo. Uh, we talked about how fucking weirded out I was by all these things. And mm -hmm. there's more weird shit. But let me tell you a couple of the cool things. Uh, number one, this is both a cool thing and an incredibly strange thing. There is a very deep and complex piano simulation in this game i okay that's cool i like that uh i don't know how much yeah. you remember about the original final fantasy 7 but part of that nibelheim flashback sequence was that you could go into tifa's house and play the piano in her living room and if you if you played the battle theme song for the game it gave you uh, tifa's like secret final move item <laughs> i actually didn't know that part i'm not a seven head at, to that I level. played Final Fantasy VII a lot. Okay, well, first of all, here's here's some changes. Okay. Uh, number one, uh, the piano is in Tifa's room now. Or actually, I think that's that's where it was in the game. I don't think that's changed, okay. actually. 
You're fucking up. Okay, I'm fucking up. So you get Tifa's theme. You you pick up the sheet music. It's on her piano. And now the sheet music itself is a collectible, like, story item. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, a bunch of them. And when you sit down at the piano, an entire fucking, a new HUD appears on the screen. (laughs) And it is the most comprehensive musical, I I hesitate to even call it a, a rhythm game, even though that is the fundament of it. But it is like there are two circles that you know are bound to your two sticks, mm-hmm. um, and you have the entire you have an entire octave in a key on one circle to the right, your melody hand, and mm-hmm. then you have an entire other circle on the left for the the harmonies, uh, chords, right? Right. Um, and you can select your octave. You can select what key you're playing in. You can hold a button to go to semitones, so you're playing. You can play out of key notes. Um, <laughs> this thing is insane. It's so crazy. What? Why did they do that? I mean, it's cool. I feel like that is pure uh, Tatsuya Nomura. Uh, that that's all him right there. You do you remember so? the? Yeah. Do you remember the complex dancing mini game uh, for yes. Cross Dressing Cloud? Oh from yeah, I the love the game? dancing mini game. Cross Dressing Cloud mini game, uh, iconic. Great. Yeah, good shit. Uh, or the or the uh, uh, super over designed crouch like gym minigame. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. Yes. I think that is all. I think the, the piano stuff is very in line. It's just adding more layers. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's okay, very now, strange, it, it, especially when you contrast it to the, the new system for navigating terrain, you can mm-hmm. now like move up and down things. Uh, and that is janky as hell. Like it barely works. <laughs> they clearly like, they really designed the hell out of this fucking piano playing minigame, but uh, it moves Moving around the world is still uh, needs a little bit of work. <laughs> uh, now, let me ask you. Th- let me ask you this about yes. the segment in Tifa's room. Do they still have the thing about you finding her underwear? They have softened it. So when you're telling when you're telling the story, uh, you th- your party members are constantly interjecting, mm-hmm. right? Um, and part of that is like you know you go up to Tifa's door and it's like Tifa in the voiceover is like you went into my house. And you have the option to say like yes or no, right? right? Yeah, that's all. But I'm, but I'm like, I'm, I'm saying yes mm-hmm. for sure. I go into the house. You know, you go in. You're like, Tifa's like, you went into my room. It's like yes, no. Yeah. Uh, you go into her room. You open up her wardrobe, and she's like, you went through my stuff. And you have the option to say like, uh, no, I'm joking, or like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and of course, I opened that shit. And uh, Tifa and Aerith both call you an asshole for doing that, <laughs> uh, which is charming. You know, it's nice. It's a nice little part. I like the the way the party interjects. I think it's done really well. Now, I, on, I only ask because that that bit is one of my favorite mistranslations from the original English uh, like release of the game. Because yeah. when you do that, and the way you describe that is basically one for one for how it plays out in the in the original game. Yeah. Uh, but if you say, like, yeah, I did go through your wardrobe, uh, you get added to your inventory an item called orthopedic underwear. <laughs> and for the longest time... That kicks ass. Yeah, it's great. It's very funny. And for the longest time, I had no idea what that possibly could mean, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it turns out that that is, a in a very roundabout way, that's a mistranslation of uh, saying that Tifa has granny panties. She has like <laughs> old old lady underwear. 
<laughs> I wear prescription underwear. Yeah. It's like the Japanese <laughs> translation for, for the word orthopedic is basically the same as like for old people. And yet everyone draws panty shots of her and she's just wearing normal underwear. No I'm, no granny panties to, to be found. <laughs> unacceptable. Non-canon. Fake ass fans. Fake fans, dude. Fake fans. These- I'm sick of these. I'm sick of these fake fa- Final Fantasy VII fans. I'm sick of these fake Final Fantasy VII fa- fake <laughs> fans who don't even know that Tifa wears granny panties. I'm sick of it. Okay, that, that's all I wanted to say. That's all I want to say yeah. about Tifa's underwear. Oh, oh also, a, a Cloud does Zach's squats in the flashback, which I thought was a good addition. Hell yeah, that's funny. That's that's one for the Crisis Core bros. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Hey. We're yeah, paying bro. attention. You're in our yeah. hearts, bros. Yeah, man. Also, Sephiroth is like really nice to you. He's like a really cool, nice dude. It's very. He's down. like a it's... total upstanding, cool dude. <laughs> I, I, I actually, I really want to see because in in the original script, they kind of play him as more of like an aloof, not unfriendly, but like you know, he's your senpai, right? And he's like, hey, he's a, uh, uh, keep it up, slugger. You'll make it there someday. And that's like basically all he says to you. It, yeah. I mean, obviously, a lot of that is the technical limitations at the time. But like he is he is standoffish and cold for the most part. Mm-hmm. Not mean, but he's like, you know, he's an intimidating presence. And this one, he's like he literally is like patting you on the shoulder like, hey, good one, bro. <laughs> like, it's very strange. Also, seeing the long sword in day to day scenarios so fucking goofy man it's so fucking goofy i don't know it's it's the the horrible little 14 year old that still lives inside of me but i i still like the big sword i like the big sword yeah you know uh, if if only in swords alone it's obviously the berserk reference right uh cloud wielding the the dragon slayer and and sephiroth wielding the the kind of more typical uh european style yeah, strength build versus dex build yeah but in in typical nomura fashion they're like well, well mine is f- like four times larger it's way longer than than in berserk it's like it's like 10 feet long dude i mean i'm gonna be honest when i was like 15 and playing this game for the first time uh because i was a late bloomer as we've gone over <laughs> As we established in many areas. And this is making me cringe a little bit, but like I was trying <laughs> to, I was totally upselling the game, like trying to get my friend from my neighborhood to play like, dude, you got to play this game. He's got a samurai sword. That's like eight feet long. <laughs> and that was my entire pitch for the game. Bro. When you see this dude's sword, you're going to fucking piss yourself. It's like, so like long. you don't get it. It's a really big samurai. You, sword. I can't even explain to you how long this sword is is dude and and this friend that i was trying to pitch the game to was like yeah that's pretty cool that's i mean yeah that's cool it's hard to argue that's pretty cool cool yeah i don't know halo has a gun (laughs) this cloud (laughs) of a gun unfortunately no but he surrounds himself with gun guys so he's he's covered actually that's a question do you ever play that vincent valentine game fuck no that looked like garbage it was garbage and i played it twice I'm not a big enough final fantasy fan for that kind of shit oh i am i'm exactly the kind of final fantasy fan that would play that game like you just what? lap that it's shit a third up. person shooter where you get to play as vincent valentine the gun guy oh, oh, he was the Jesus one that had Christ. a gun he did have a gun that's true well he was you know he's part of the proud anime tradition of having one guy whose power is gun do you think he was kind of well he, i guess him and barrett 
they were both gun guys. I have to say, just to, since we're on Vincent, he does appear in some of the, the little preview videos, so he's confirmed for the game. Voiced by Troy Baker. Yeah, they wouldn't let me switch the language to Japanese, so that was a little bit torturous. Oh, that's bad. Okay, third third weird thing about the Final Fantasy demo. Okay, lay it on me. This is a third, third and final thing. So you play, like I said, you play up to the f- fire in Nibelheim. Mm-hmm. That sequence is so stretched out... I hate to say this for a game that's not out yet, but I, I, I'm pretty confident this is going to be in the final game, too, because they said that this was a streamlined version of this event, <laughs> of the Nibelheim arc. It's so stretched out with the new format of the game that it really loses, like, a lot of the dramatic tension. And you'd think, like, that scene is really potent, just even on its own. You know, mm-hmm. Cloud is like, oh, God, that guy is burning my village down and he's killing everybody. That's fucking crazy. My senpai has turned against me. Yeah, but there's some kind of very deflationary move they do, especially because they load that sequence up with, like, quick time events as well. Oh, man, that's disappointing to hear. I know. And it just, it instead of creating, like, what quick time events are supposed to be, which is, like, a shorthand for, like, uh, contextual actions it just slows everything down to uh in this case quite literally a crawl mm-hmm. uh, which I, I don't like i think it's very strange that they don't just like power through they have to like add more and more stuff to this t- for i get i guess just to like show off how you know how much improvement this is over the original game or something you know yeah, uh, this I'm, is modern this is I a know. modern version of this game you don't you don't like cutscenes as a concept in games, right? I mean, I prefer to never have a cutscene in a game. Yes. I feel like in this case, I would prefer to just have this as a cinematic instead of trying to awkwardly ham-fist in, you know, engagement in whatever way, you know, whether it be quick time events or yeah. or whatever. Uh, it's basically also the same reason that I kind of don't like dialogue wheels in, in most games. <laughs> I do not. I think they're a plague, a modern plague. Yeah. Functionally, dialogue wheels make it harder to write a script. And I feel like I would rather have tight writing rather than engagement in that way. Maybe I'm, a, maybe I'm just old-fashioned in that way. You're definitely old-fashioned. That's true. I would say my big gripe with the dialogue wheel is that when you choose an option it's not what the character says oh i hate that that's the worst fucking hate that what the fuck uh luckily that does not happen in in final fantasy 7 (laughs) but this reflex to stretch these iconic scenes out because in the original game this is just cloud telling you what happens Mm -hmm. and you pretty much just get a very abbreviated version that gives you the points you know okay you went to the reactor uh, Sephiroth acted weird. He locks himself in the mansion. He reads a bunch of books. Uh, at one point, Cloud goes down there and he's like, hey, dude, are you okay? And Sephiroth's like, nah, dude, I'm not okay. Uh, and then the town burns down and you do the Genova, the Genova scene, right? Right. Uh, that's very concise. Yeah. Um, but in this version, you have to play it over a series of like two hours. So everything, every, every little moment like that has to have more meat on it than it needs to. Uh, and that makes me very, very, a little bit afraid for the rest of the game. You know what I mean? I I see where the concern comes from. Personally, I like 
too much meat rather than not enough meat, <laughs> uh, if that makes sense. And uh, and I feel like as long as they're going big, that just means that they have more room to get weird. And I'm here for the jank. I, I want to say that up front. Yeah. Uh, I like the jank in, in both in terms of writing and in, and in gameplay. You know, I, I, I just want it to be good. I just want it to be good jank. That's just all want I want. it to be good. Who, who, we just want it to be good. I mean, yeah. come on. That's all we want. So I don't know. Are uh, you going to download demo part two when it comes out? I mean, definitely. I, I've, I, always, I really want to know what the Chocobo writing is like. You know, the, the thing I'm just worried about is that all of these additions have made, like I said at the beginning, the big reveal not work. I already think that in the the concept in the original game is like a little bit too muddy uh, to like have the kind of impact they were expecting because that story doesn't really make sense with the whole memory loss thing. Like when you actually like think through the sequence of events, it doesn't really make sense, especially because Tifa is there in the room with Cloud telling the story. I, I Well, okay, this is something that I'm hoping they address uh, because... I could say it right now they did not. <laughs> okay. Well, because in my recollection of playing the game, once you get to the end of the game and you look back at everything in in retrospect, it was very obvious to me at least that that Tifa was purposely not telling not saying her piece about what happened in that moment. It's a it's a don't wake up a sleepwalker scenario. I don't want to mentally break cloud by revealing he doesn't <laughs> He doesn't remember things right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's the generous way to read it. I think there are ch- there are subtle changes in this version that kind of negate that. Yeah. Yeah, but it makes it worse, I think. I, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, I guess I got to get a PS5 already. Yeah, you better get on that, dude. Uh, okay, uh, uh, enough about a fucking 20-year-old game. Uh, <laughs> who, who fucking cares? Final Fantasy, whatever. All right, let's, uh, I want to talk about a 20-year-old manga then. Yeah, let's talk about a 20-year-old manga instead. That's more anime anyway. I went and read the manga for Outlaw Star. So weird. Which I, until recently, didn't know that existed. It is so weird of you to do. Why did you do that? I wanted to see if it was different, uh, and, and it is in a lot of ways. It's mostly the same. The story is more or less the same. It was a lot shorter than I assumed it would be. Uh, the entire run of the manga is 21 chapters at maybe like 40, 45 pages each. Sure. Well, you know, they cut out the beach planet chapter, <laughs> so it, it shortened the run a little bit. Well, it's just it was a lot shorter than I would have expected for being adapted into a 26 episode anime uh, where the, the beach, the beach planet, the titty planet. <laughs> uh, titty planet. That, yes. That was a filler episode that surprisingly wasn't in the manga. Uh, they had to add that in. Uh, surprisingly, yes. I'm so I'm, I'm so surprised they didn't manage to include uh, the completely useless waste of time episode. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, is that that manga overall is way hornier than the anime was. You think so? Oh yeah, they toned it down a lot, like a lot. And the anime wasn't like zero percent horny either. Uh, oh, it was not zero percent horny. It was pretty horny. <laughs> it was pretty horny, and it, it was gets pretty horny. even. I mean, it's they they go they go full on nudity in the manga. They're they're popping heads uh, and busting nuts. <laughs> they're busting nuts, huh? It is violent and horny. Uh, tell me about some of the times they bust nuts. 
Well, most <laughs> of it is relegated to the beginning uh, when Gene is still kind of like a sleaze bag. Like, uh, uh, what do you call it? He's not specifically a, a, a mercenary, although that's like a lot of what he does. He's just kind of like an a, outlaw. He's well, he's an outlaw. No, he doesn't start off as an outlaw. He becomes one by by stealing a ship and going into space. Before that, he was just like a, a do whatever kind of guy. A gun for hire. Yeah. Well, that's part of it. But he was also like a mechanic and a courier and just like, a you know, a whatever. He, he's a gopher. Yeah, he's a uh, hustle and grind guy. I mean, if I had to define it, he was a professional sleazebag is what he was. Yeah. And so I don't know. He's the, an Uber driver. He's a DoorDash guy. He would. He would totally do DoorDash. Anything he was to on put, TaskRabbit. Anything to get him back into the hostess club. Uh, that was his main motivation. Yeah, yeah. Getting to the girls. And I don't know. I, I checked it out because I saw that it was short and I really liked the art and I like the art from the anime. You know, I think it's pretty, pretty stylized in its own way. And, and you've got all those nostalgia filters. Well, sure. They're, they're really <laughs> doing a lot of work. I, everything, everything that I truly love and hold dear in my life uh, is, is wrapped in a thick layer of nostalgia at this point. <laughs> yeah. When your brain was less formed. Yeah. I mean, I did go back and watch like a couple episodes of the anime too just to kind of put everything in comparison and sure. and some of those like the backdrops that they use for space in the anime are really really beautiful you know they go hard in on like these psychedelic multicolored swirl spaces instead of just like stars on a black background yeah you know they do a lot of weird stuff uh nebulas and and like bright red like suns and all that it's very cool but I, li- I like the art in the manga just because it has a much more kind of like gritty, angular style to it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's fun. Uh, I-, I liked it. There's not a whole lot different in the story from the anime. In fact, I would say that the anime, they had to add in a bunch of filler episodes that, that were not in the manga. Um, the manga is pretty streamlined. It's like. Does the manga have an actual ending? Yeah. Yeah, no, it has an actual ending. That's interesting to me. Basically, the manga is, you know, Gene and his little buddy, his little guy, uh, Jim Hawkins, by the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jim Hawkins. A- absolute, like, stupid <laughs> ass uh, fucking anime name. It's like, hey, he's like, he's like Jim Hawkins, right? Because they're space pirates. Treasure Island, yeah, you know, all that, you know. But also, he's like Stephen Hawking. Oh boy, because he's because he's a little boy genius, like Stephen yeah. Hawking. Like Stephen yeah. Hawking. In Final was. Fantasy, in Final Fantasy Seven remake, his name's Chadley. Do you like that better or worse? I remember that. I remember that, and I hate that. You remember Chadley so much? I cannot believe Chadley is a real thing. Uh, it <laughs> boggles the mind. I, I wonder if that is carried over, like if that's a literal. If his Japanese name was Chaduri, Chaduri, I have to assume. Yeah, I think that is. I don't know. I feel like it. maybe there was some localization there. Maybe he has like a different stereotypically nerdy name in Japanese. I don't know. I'll pay more attention when the game comes out and I get to play it in Japanese. <laughs> Figure out uh, Chadley's thing, his whole deal. Yeah, but they basically move from meeting. Melfina, uh, the girl in the box trope, to getting involved. Yes, we, we should talk about that. The girl in the box trope. Yeah, how incredibly pervasive the girl in the box trope. It was everywhere. 
Yeah, and well, it still is. I mean, it, I, it's crazy how that has just held on over the years. I I feel like there is some connection there between that trope and people who are really into buying anime figures. I'm still trying to put my finger on it. <laughs> well, you told me, you said you didn't want to, you, you get uncomfortable when I say it, but they are, they are the fuck babies. I mean, they're fuck babies. I don't, I don't like that term. <laughs> it is are. accurate. It is a, it is a, it is accurate. Non untrue term. <laughs> it is accurate and descriptive. The perfect term. I don't like it though. You know, we saw it even in uh, last season in Sin Duality Noir, which I called the dehydrated Gurren Lagann, mm-hmm. uh, which because they both do that, they both have girls in boxes. Yep. More literally in Gurren Lagann than Sin Duality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. still, exactly the same shit. Uh, at least in Sin Duality, she is not a fuck baby. She's a emotionless fuck robot. Oh, that's better. Like a, a 2B type. <laughs> Uh, that makes me feel better about the whole interaction then. It does? You prefer <laughs> the emotionless robot? To uh, childlike affectation, I would say, yeah. yeah. Probably in this case, yes. Teach me how to love. <laughs> what, what you humans call love. You can't love. You're a robot. And <laughs> <laughs> Ed, Ed Star, uh, a member of that proud tradition. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they meet they meet Melfina. They get they get her out of the box. And then they immediately they're like, all right, we're they going. They unbox her. They do an unboxing video. They do an of unboxing her. video to get uh, uh, the naked childlike woman out. Yeah, they get all the styrofoam out of there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fancy uh, velvet bag she's in, mm-hmm. and and so they basically go from that. They pick up the other members of the crew, you know, Suzuka, the the sword lady, and Asia Clan Clan. The muscle-bound yep. cat girl, yep, which totally doesn't explain anything about me in my later life. No, but, no, uh, I don't want to unpack that at all. Yeah, you definitely weren't giving like weird Tenchi Muyo crossover vibes. <laughs> yeah, uh, so so they get the crew together, and then it's like, bam! All right, uh, end of the series. We we found the Galactic Ley Line. Final battle with the mercenaries that were hunting us down. That's it. Cool. Uh, where, where, yeah, it's very streamlined. I, it's like all of the stupid shit and the boring shit from the show taken out. Great. I love to hear that. Yeah. You love to hear it. I loved it. So yeah, go read it. Check it out. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Wow. And, and I think probably uh, one last thing on that subject is I you don't see that weird fusion of ancient Chinese magic and space pirate shit anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's cool. I, I want to see more of that because they take no no time to explain it at all. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, space pirates and guns that can shoot wizard spells and, like, ancient Chinese magic. It's all in there. Ancient Chinese secret. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Check it out. Uh, it's 20 years What's old. What's that, Calgon? I think that's Calgon. Ancient Chinese secret, ancient eh? Ancient Chinese secret, huh? That's <laughs> so weird. You know, that's a that's a thing. I mean, we talked about Buchigiri, right? It has mm-hmm. these really weird, like, what do I call them? That's not offensive. Uh, ethnic touchstones. <laughs> <laughs> good, good swerve. They're, they're bringing in these, like, without addressing them, they're bringing in all these, like, uh, you know, kind of uh, like Chinese elements and mm. and Middle Eastern elements without really explaining East Asian mysticism. Yes. Exactly. East Asian mysticism. Mysticism. You almost got it. Uh, the mysticism 
mysticism. Don't don't make fun of my speech impediment. And of course, there's there's a really great manga running right now that I don't know if we've ever even. Damn, have we ever even talked about it? Hold on. Let's move on. Why why don't we talk about 103 Dragon and then we take a break? Okay, okay. Well, let me actually, let let me do, let me do, I'll knock these three out really quick. Okay, go, fast. Okay. I watched some anime, Nate. Oh, God. I actually watched some anime. And, uh, you know, one of them we'll have to talk about, I, I will have to duck the what is anime conversation. Because I watched Pokemon Concierge, which is uh, all stop motion. I, that's fucking awesome. It's great. Um, the story is pretty weird, but uh, my god, it is beautiful. It is truly beautiful. Yeah, I'm not. I don't think you really need to like watch every episode. Not that you shouldn't, but like the story is not really the draw here. Uh, it's just seeing the the stop motion Pokemon and all the stuff in the world like is just. Uh, it's breathtaking. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. The The fact that the story, the main conflict in the story is that the woman who is gone to become the Pokemon concierge as her new job. Now, when they say concierge, like, do they meet it in like a mob way? No, they meet it. I Unfortunately, they meet it in a hospitality way. Wow. But hospitality specifically for the Pokemon? Now, I it's a little hack to go into like, Oh, it's weird that like the Pokemon does this and that in in the real world. Like, you know, like how it's incredibly strange that there are just psychic Pokemon wandering around who have the ability to like levitate shit with their mind or mind control people or mind control people. It's like truly actually terrifying. But, you know, that's whatever. What is strange to me is that this woman, she's a Pokemon concierge. There's Pokemon Island. We're all familiar with this concept. She, her job is to just hang out with the Pokemon and like play with them and shit, which holy shit. What a great job. Yeah. I want that fucking job. I know it's fucking great. What a great ass job. But to this woman, I, I, the, it's the, I think the implication is that she was a desk jockey and it like just burned her brain like she's become like irreparably mentally ill because of it. Uh, and she cannot relax when she gets <laughs> relatable. To, yeah, I know. Right. She cannot relax at the beginning of her job. Like the whole four episode arc is like learning to not be in a constant state of like panic attack over job performance. Shit. Can she teach me how to do that? <laughs> watch the, watch the show. Maybe you'll learn something. Actually, the answer the show comes up with is like, get a dope ass fucking job, move to Hawaii and hang out with animals all day. Like that kind of is the answer. Oh, okay. So just like be a rich celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, extraordinarily lucky. Uh, either one you can choose. Uh, so that's really weird. It's beautiful, but man, what a weird, choice for the story to be um i do like that they call out the fact that everybody loves pikachu and like some of the other people working there are like pikachu's for posers pikachu is like a normie pick yeah pikachu is the normie pick there's a there's a short sequence where one of the one of the challenges she overcomes is uh, a guy this kid has a Pikachu. This is fucked up. A kid brings his Pikachu to the island, and he's like, there's something wrong with my Pikachu. He's not like the Pikachus on the TV. He's not, like, outgoing and cool, and he, like, does cool shit. His, his <laughs> Pikachu's, like, kind of, like, shy and awkward, and he wants to fix the Pikachu. <laughs> Just like, my Pikachu dude. says Pika Pika. 
Well, my Pikachu says my spidey sense is tingling. <laughs> it's Chocho. I just, I found it very weird. It's like, that is fucked up, man. Wow. No need to shame the Pikachus. I know. Why are you fucking... This Pikachu just happens to have a different uh, constitution than the other Pikachus. Can you just fucking chill, dude? <laughs> but no, this kid is totally spoiled. Anyway, I, lo I love the idea that people in the Pokemon world are like, Pikachu is such a fucking normie-ass, poser-ass pick, dude. Choose something <laughs> cool like Wooper. Uh, Wooper? Wooper? She gets... She, she ends up with a Psyduck. That's... That's kind of the thing. I guess. I guess that's better. At least that's a Gen 1. This is very much catered towards millennials. Like, there's a lot of Gen 1. Oh, okay. This is this is millennial uh, nostalgia baiting. Yeah. It's just weird that she basically has a very misty relationship. It's like they basically just recreated the misty Psyduck thing, except she she's a little nicer to the Psyduck than Misty was. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I get it. it well, so, okay. Psyduck in the cartoon kind of was like, kind of the butt of a lot of like abuse jokes, right? Because yeah, the whole yes, bit was like, was. wow, my Psyduck is so fucking stupid. It can't do shit. Yeah. And that's sort <laughs> of the bit here too, which is the weird part. And uh, because the Psyduck, the Psyduck is all like shy and it keeps running away whenever she tries to like approach it and it keeps fucking shit up. Like it, it gets, uh, it gets its, you know, trademark headache. And then all the shit she's working on, like floats around and like falls to the ground and she's like pissed off. So it's like all that kind of shit again. Goku Rakugai. That was the one, by the way. Finally remembered. Oh, wow. Okay. That was a sleeper. All right. Goku Rakugai. Uh, anyway, that's Pokemon Concierge. It's beautiful. It's truly beautiful. And uh, wh what was that one called? What is that? Like like that tank-ass looking one that's got the big X over its head? Uh, what, the Onyx Evolution? It's It's got the four legs and the big like central tank body and a big X over it. Blastoise. Yeah, that play was a Blastoise for sure. <laughs> anyway, that's Pokemon Concierge. I also watched 103 Dragon. <laughs> a One Piece story. Yes. Now, let me let me make sure that that's actually what it's called. It's called Monsters 103 Mercy's Dragon Damnation, which, man, Oda, come on, man. Dude, we were just talking about this. The dude's too big. He doesn't have to answer to an editor anymore. He can he do whatever do the shit. fuck he wants. Yeah, exactly. He's got Stephen King disease, uh, <laughs> except apparently his wife isn't his editor. So nobody's <laughs> stepping in to be like, hey, you can't call the shining black shine, my dude. You can't do that. I, I can just imagine Oda's wife like standing over his shoulder like, oh, you want to draw her like that? Oh, so, so even bigger, huh? Even bigger <laughs> than last time? Huh? <laughs> Interesting. Oh, okay. Sure. So this is, this is, it pretends to not be a one piece story and then it reveals itself to be a one piece story. It's very short. It's like 20, 25 minutes long. It's about an asshole who comes to a Western town and uh, kills a dragon there and is an asshole about it. And then it turns out that asshole is relevant to the story of One Piece. Whoa, dude. Whoa, what? So I didn't this see that is coming. This is like that that thing that ended up being a Bleach spinoff that I watched. Yes, kind of in the same vein, huh? Yeah, very much in the same vein. In that it tries to trick you that it isn't, and then immediately becomes clear that it is. Hey, this might be something cool, and then it turns out that it's something that you already hate. Yes, I mean, I, I don't Although really. I, I guess that that doesn't apply to One Piece for you, but uh... yeah, I do. I. I don't hate One Piece. <laughs> it turns out like this whole thing is just a setup for uh, where one of Zoro's swords come from. 
So if you're interested in that, that's what that is. Do you want to know the backstory of one of Zoro's swords? Look no further. Boy, boy, do I have an anime for you. (laughs) Uh, And I watched, and this is interesting, I watched the first two episodes of Ishura. 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 Whatever. This is kind of weird. This is one of the ones that we skipped, actually, when we were kind of talking about our anticipated shows of the season. Because this is a current season show. It's only got seven episodes out, I think. Okay. Oh, so this is is in the middle... In the middle of airing. This is in the middle of airing. And somehow uh, Hulu got the streaming rights for it. Remember Hulu? Huh. I mean, I remember Hulu, a Disney subsidiary. (laughs) Yes. Uh, In fact, I think it's a subdivision of ABC, if we're going to be very specific about it. Yeah, Hulu's been snapping up uh, a lot of anime IPs recently. You know what? I think they had some kind of cross branding thing with the one that isn't Crunchyroll, the one that just got folded into Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember that one? What's that one called? Oh, shoot. What was it called? Yeah. The name of that defunct streaming service was Funimation. Uh, I already, I've already erased it from, from my cultural memory. Yeah, it's gone. Who cares? Uh, it was probably scummy anyway. Uh, good riddance. I mean, not that Crunchyroll's great, but you know. So Ishida is based on a light novel, not a manga. Okay. Uh, and as that will obviously reveal to you, it is an isekai. <laughs> oh. But, hold on, but, and this is the weird part, it does not seem to be about the isekai-e or ease. Okay, go on. This is basically about a world where, and we've really got to get to the bottom of this fucking Demon King thing because they throw out the term Demon King constantly in this anime. Uh, And they refer to all kinds of different stuff as Demon Kings. And then they refer to one guy as the true Demon King. And I'm like, there's got to be something going on with the translation here. Well, you know, it's a it's a franchise deal, kind of like how you, you used to be able to go to uh, Bobo the Clown College or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, the yeah. Demon King goes around the country selling his his character package yeah. to to a bunch of these uh, lower level Demon Kings. Yeah, Gallagher and Gallagher too. Exactly. So this begins after the the quote unquote Demon King uh, is defeated, and we are kind of introduced. It begins with a very dumb like Edge Lord sequence at the beginning, but it seems like maybe the Edge Lordism balances out as the series goes. But the interesting thing about this is that this is a world that is like aware of Isekais. We should probably come up with a term for those too. Isekaiers, <laughs> the spirited aways. The, the, yeah. the spiritings the ways. Let's workshop that. We'll come back to it. In this show, they're called uh, like visitors or guests. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is strange. So this is like a known thing that happens uh, and is apparently like not a big deal. It's, they don't seem to be like super interested in why that's happening or what's going on it's like oh uh, i guess there's just another dude from another world coming in fucking up everything with superpowers yeah and so i've only in the two episodes i only know about one of them so far but he's like just another guy i mean he's he's a super crazy super powerful anime guy but he is not considered like the he's not first of all he's not the main character this is something i liked about the show is that they don't seem to be focusing in on like one particular character there are no repeat characters between episode 1 and episode 2 
which I very much like. I think that's cool. It shows that you kind of like trust your audience even a little bit. And it's it's mostly about now this is again a translation thing. They call them demigods sometimes. They call them heroes sometimes, champions, all that shit. You know what I mean? You know, I think part of coming up with a good isekai setting is that you really need to get your branding on point, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of terms being used interchangeably there. That that's already throwing me off. Yeah, we're we're being tossed these terms uh, interchangeably constantly and it becomes a little much. But the thing I liked about that is that uh, this guy is just one of many heroes in this story and they're all being gathered together for some mysterious reason by the big fantasy kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, it's kind of cool. I, I like it. I like the tone for the most part. Like I said, it starts with some edgelord shit, which I did not like, but it balances out. Uh, it's got some interesting animation. Sometimes it goes into uh, some very bad 3D, which I do not like. But again, it balances out by episode two. And I don't know, there's just a, there's like a tone about it that I, I, I think is interesting. I think we totally skipped over it because in our, in our quick look, our, uh, our brief overview of the new season, yeah, let's call it that. we immediately saw Isekai and went like, fuck off. It's very easy to do, you know, extremely easy to do. In fact, it's one of the things I love doing the most. I love it. I love not reading or watching Isekai. I love when people are all talking about some big new TV show and I find out that it is like another fucking cop show and I can, I guilt free, I can completely skip it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, that being said, I, 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 for whatever reason, I did start watching the new True Detective. Oh. Yeah. I like Jodie Foster. I really like Jodie Foster. I think she's great. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna watch a few more of these and see where it shakes out. But like, I don't know, there's something about it. There's something about it that puts it in a different category than, than some of these other isekais we've been talking about. I mean, if it seems worth checking out, let me know. But uh, I am weighted against it at this point. Let me give you this, just one, one last pitch. Okay, uh, so okay. they introduce the second hero in the second episode. Okay. And it is a... A human-sized uh, wyvern dragon who has a, a mutation that gives him, like, six arms. <laughs> All right. And he is the smartest, coolest, fastest dragon that's ever been born. And he, like, wears cool-ass goggles when he flies to the air. And he's going around the world collecting all the most powerful magical items so that he can, like, own other dragons. Sounds like a cool dude. He's a cool dude. He's pretty cool. I like that dude. <laughs> He's a cool dude. I mean, that sounds <laughs> like, uh, you know, what that reminds me of is the, um, like the stupid ultimate monster that Leo scribbles in his notebook in, in dungeon meshy. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's got, he's got goggles and he has six arms and he's the fastest. He's the fastest guy in the world. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I said it before when we were talking about dungeon meshy, but I love that. Uh, he basically describes, uh, Jakiro from Dota over and over again as his <laughs> his ideal monster. Dragon with two heads. Hell yeah. A fire and ice dragon? Dope, dude. Hell yeah. Uh, okay, uh, let's 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 take a break. We've been rambling for a while. Yeah.
right, and here we are again. Now, here we people, are. beautiful, handsome, and tall, I want to say, listeners. <laughs> Massive. <laughs> we have a special treat here for you today on Anime Death Spiral. Uh, we are going to give you the honor of hearing us put together our own original manga slash anime ideas. How does that sound, Remy? <laughs> yeah, it's not a sweaty desperation idea. This is actually uh, something we're really great at, and we're uh, allowing you to step into the the world we inhabit. So behind the curtain. This is a glimpse into our creative process. Yes. Now, we, we don't have to talk about the various manga we've already written. Of which they are legion. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's, uh, we've obviously reached legendary status in a couple different fields, but... Uh, I don't want to name names, but uh, one of our big credits may or may not rhyme with okemon <laughs> yo we're the guys who named him red <laughs> <laughs> took us three days no sleep to come up with that one yeah a, a lot of people don't know this but uh it's it's actually based on morgan freeman's character from shawshank redemption <laughs> you know i've never seen that movie uh, don't don't bother okay uh sorry stevie uh, anyway, let's take a peek at our, our process here. Yeah. Obviously, we're not working any manga right now, so we're going to try to, like, uh, sit down, brainstorm, you know, go through the process. Always trust the process uh, and come up with some, some new manga ideas uh, for the future here. Now, uh, why, don't we, why don't we start by reaching into our bag here and seeing what we pull out? Yes, so Nate is reaching into the bag, and he is going to draw out a couple of random words and phrases and we're just going to uh use those as a springboard into one of our uh ingenious manga ideas yeah there he goes he's digging he's digging real deep oh man all right all right i i'm i'm thinking i'm thinking right off the top of my head what if we had a main character uh who is a secretary and okay maybe she's a secretary uh on a on a massive ornate zeppelin uh, that flies around <laughs> above a medieval fantasy world. Okay, okay. Fantasy world zeppelins all go together. Uh, secretary, maybe we're playing a, a sort of sexist tropes, but you know what? Uh, I never. I, hold on. That's is secretary a gendered <laughs> word to you? No, but it is a, a job that is typically ascribed to women. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, Christina Hendricks, etc. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, hey, I don't know. I don't know what kind of what kind of vibes do you get from that? We got to give the people what they want, and they eat this shit up. Yeah, they love women secretaries. Like I said, Christina Hendricks, etc. I mean, just because you say that, just because you're saying this right now, I kind of want it to be a male secretary to kind of okay. throw. Should we should we mix it up? Yeah, let's mix we it up. We might be accused of of overwoking our story, though. <laughs> Uh, that's impossible. <laughs> what, what, what's next? Male nurses? Never, never going to happen. <laughs> It'll never happen. Uh, but in this fantasy world, I suppose, you know, since we're playing with the unreal, mm -hmm. I'm willing to go along with this male secretary. Okay, this is, this is good. This is fruitful. Uh, our character is going to be named, I think, let me give him a name here. <laughs> it's good to start with a name, you know what it's I mean? It's always good to start with a name. I'm thinking we want to call him, uh, let's call him Famongs. Hmm? How do you spell that? <laughs> F-A-M-O-N-G-S. I suppose we could, you want to show it to Famong? Is that easier? Yeah, sure. That, that rings a little bit better, at least. All right. Famong Claw Wine. That's our main boy. 
Okay, yeah. That kind of makes sense with a fantasy setting. Yes, and he is a he's just a, a lowly secretary. He works in the secretary pool on the let's say uh the uh it's a fantasy world, but it's sort of got the steampunk thing going on because of the zeppelin. I mean, the fact that he's a secretary instantly makes me imagine that there is some kind of kind of uh you know, over overbearing bureaucracy that that exists in this world, right? Yes, definitely. A bureaucracy that flies around bureaucrating over the small folk. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think. Is it a king or is it a president or is it a baron? Well, here, let me let's let's do part two here. I'm going to spin the genre wheel. This might give us a clue as to uh, the political structure of our new fantasy world. <laughs> okay. All right. What did we got? Oh, this is a rom com. <laughs> all right perfect, perfect. this is okay. great this is um, great sorry right, no i got dude... it i got it i got oh, it okay go 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 uh he is the secretary to the demon lord right uh <laughs> okay instead of a instead of a giant demon castle he flies around uh doing his overlord shit uh from In a demon zeppelin yeah from his magical demon zeppelin dope that's uh, dope and and our main dude is his is his loyal secretary who also happens to have a crush on the female uh hero who's destined to defeat the the demon lord oh that's a good twist i was kind of going down originally like the bl kind of trashy romance version of it where he's falling in love with his boss you know okay kind of like a, a boys love version of um uh, what, what was that what's that anime called masterful cat <laughs> yeah masterful cat she's trying to fuck her <laughs> boss in that no uh ancient ancient magus's bride that's what oh, i was ancient magus bride sure sure uh but i like your idea i like that he has he's he's fallen in love with the hero and Let's say he's maybe like secretly trying to set her up for success, but she's kind of like comically inept. So she keeps fucking up oh, like when he sets I like it up. I like that. He's he's playing he's the inside man who's uh you know, as part of his crush on her, you know, he sees that she's not very good at her job. Yeah. So he's like constantly in the background, like fucking up the demon lord's plans on purpose so that she looks better they don't have any connection but he's kind of trying to like uh construct these scenarios where they get to interact and mm -hmm. so he's constantly undermining the demon lord to give her an advantage in the fight i like that a lot yeah i like that a lot i like that a lot can we get, let's give one example of how how he would do this okay um i'm imagining maybe i got one i got one you want me to go okay okay you got one go okay so he hears that uh, the the hero has been training in the capital city, right? Uh-huh. And uh, the uh, the demon lord is, uh, he's flying his zeppelin near the capital city. And so he puts a bunch of sugar in the zeppelin's gas tank, forcing them to go down and refuel, giving her the opportunity to jump aboard, right? Okay, yeah, that's pretty good. And like, fuck everybody up. I See, I was... I was imagining maybe a scenario where uh he accidentally forgets to pack the demon lord's i don't know protective amulet or something like they go to oh, a battle accidentally yeah yes. accidentally it's like oh i forgot it boss uh he's like that was the thing that was supposed to keep her from ever getting close to me yeah yeah you know something like that i don't know uh, I don't know. Uh, I I, th I think we got it. I think I think we got a solid plot here. My staff of instant death. Yeah, exactly. Where did you put it? Oh, I, f I think I left it under the bed. I, I left it at home. I left it in the washing machine. Oh no! But she's she when she tries to storm the zeppelin, 
she forgets that she has a fear of heights and it takes <laughs> off and she just cowers. She can't fight anybody because it's too high up. Uh-huh. And he has to like secretly get her into the, like the, the life raft, the, the Zeppelin life raft that floats down to the ground. That's good. I like that. Okay. Okay. I like, yeah, I'm already, I'm already invested in these characters. I love this story. I'm already buying the first chapter yeah. uh, on, on a paid app because I don't pirate manga. Damn. We're good. Yeah. That's fucking great. Okay. All right. Uh, that's one down. That see, this that's is that's one down. Then that was easy for us. People, you got to understand. This is easy. This is easy for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, should, should we should we bang out another one? Let's go for another one. Yeah, yeah. I like that one, but we want to we want a nice spread. Okay. All right. The the muses are We're taking rom com off the wheel. Yeah, get it out of there. Eliminated. Otherwise, they'd all be rom-coms. It's called diversification. Okay, all right. Uh, The muses are guiding me towards tour guide? Tour guide. And maybe in a setting like, uh, let's see here, a a bed and breakfast at the end of the world. Okay, okay. So we've got kind of a a slice-of-life apocalypse story, sort of like... um, And... uh, yeah. I want to say like Kino's Journey or um, a Girl's Last Trip. Uh, I just brought the mood down. Oh, <laughs> oh, my heart. Okay, but let's 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 try to keep this one lighthearted. Okay, so this character, what are we thinking? Uh, male, female, uh, non-binary. What are, what are we thinking? Uh, you know, I think it'd really go any any old which way direction. You know, uh, I think the important part is that. You know, we have this character bed and breakfast in in the end times, right? I'm getting almost like a cozy vibe just from that just from that premise alone. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't I I feel like I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil this idea, but man, this is like this is really close to some shit that exists already. But but <laughs> ours ours is gonna be so good. It's gonna yeah, be so no, good. Ours is gonna be it, better it, than that. It's it's gonna justify itself right off the bat. Well, I don't know. What 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 kind of genre would this be? What is this what does this say to you? Well, let me clarify. Let me first uh let's let's pull a name, I think. Let's come out with a name and then that maybe that'll clarify like who this person is. Okay. So I'm thinking their name is uh Sazzy. Okay. Well that with two Z's. That instantly conjured, uh, I mean, that, that name presents female to me. Zazzy Morpines. I, I think that's a great name. I think that works. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna question the last name a little bit, but you know this Peens? is this is your uh, creative prerogative. Would you, so would you prefer penis? <laughs> <laughs> More penis? Okay, okay. Their name is Saz. Her name is Sazzy More Penis. Okay, all right. And now, what is oh, what fuck. is she? She operates a bed and breakfast uh, at the end of the world, and. What is she a tour guide of? What is there to show? Well, I'm thinking about genre. I'm let me let me spin the genre wheel again. This will clarify. I think this okay. will really narrow it down. And this wheel, the wheel is spinning, It's spinning. It's going. Oh, it's slowing down. And uh, this is actually uh, the next arc uh, of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh hell yeah! 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is really good because, you know, we are obviously in the end of the the triads. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but JoJo kind of works on a triadic system. It goes in trilogies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we're reaching, you know, with the with the conclusion of this current arc, we are reaching the end of the 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 next triad. You think they're going to do another Stone Ocean reset? I don't think that's where we're going, but who knows? I have no idea. I have really no idea. But if they do or if they don't, I think this end of the world thing is great because it puts us in a completely new context. You know, currently we're doing a crime story in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So now we're doing like, uh, like you said, a bed and breakfast tour guide kind of thing in the end of the world. So obviously we have a Jojo. That's going to be our main character. That's uh, Sazzy. Mm-hmm. Sazzy, more penis, more penis. <laughs> we got to figure out how why people call her Jojo. <laughs> yeah. So th- her name is Joe Sazzy. Joe Penis. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yes. 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 Uh, Of course. Her name is uh, Joe Sazzy, Joe Pants. She awakens to her stand powers. When a mysterious stranger uh, comes to the bed and breakfast and uh, requests uh, a tour of the, I guess the what, what what kind of what kind of cool landscape would would require a, a tour guide at the end of the world? Maybe some kind of uh, world-ending event has completely altered the terrain of the world, and now uh, it's unfamiliar and strange and interesting to people again. Off the top of my head, maybe an evil stand has turned the whole world into some kind of psychedelic high-tech carnival. Oh, yes. It, now that's an interesting idea because now we can go like the, the Dio equivalent of this triad uh, succeeded. They kind of, they, they destroyed the world. Yes. And now we're living in the post-Dio world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, I know these are separated kind of by a a reset and whatnot, but Mm -hmm. I feel like the whole bed and breakfast aspect, we can try and work in some kind of connection to uh, uh, the Italian chef stand user from Diamond is Unbreakable. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she has like an updated version of, of his stand. I don't know. Uh, well, what if, I, I'm, what I'm if, feeling something food based. What if because Araki does like to mix it up, uh, you know, not just location and characters, but kind of tones and styles of the stories. What if this one is uh, less of a, a travel log kind of thing that he, he tends to do? And more of like uh, uh, strangers are showing up to the bed and breakfast and we're having episodes about their conflicts and interests. And and eventually at the end of the episode, they become a Joe bro that that works at the the bed and breakfast. So this Italian uh, uh, tomato chef (laughs) stand user uh, becomes the chef of the bed and breakfast. I like that. Uh, I feel like it needs some higher stakes. So what if... I guess going back to Diamond is Unbreakable because that's just such a good arc. Mm -hmm. Uh, What if we tone down it even more and make it a murder mystery? A an Agatha Christie like who done it inside the bed and breakfast. Oh wow, yes, that is interesting. That's something that we haven't really seen in JoJo. Yeah, yeah. What if it's like everyone's you know the entire arc takes place in one location. 
It maybe, maybe yeah. it's a giant bed and breakfast, a unnaturally large on the inside bed and breakfast. Sure, sure. The bed and breakfast is uh, Joe Sazzi's stand. Oh, Whoa. now we're talking. Holy shit. Now, I would be remiss not to mention um, the stand battle from part three where Jotaro uh, and and bros check into the hotel that is being run by the old lady, uh-huh, uh-huh. the old stand arrow lady, and they kind of get attacked by the hotel uh, until, what's his name? Steel horse, iron horse, uh, whole horse. <laughs> uh, yeah, whole horse. Is it whole horse? It was whole horse, yeah. Yeah, uh, and he gets fucking owned. He walks into it and just gets owned immediately. Yeah, <laughs> very funny. Yeah, it's very funny and cool. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I like this a lot. Yeah, I, I love this. I think this is great. And you know what? Maybe even like the reason the the bed and breakfast is there, it's sort of sitting on like the font of of like Dio demon energy, and she like lives there to like make sure that it never escapes. And the murder mystery kicks off when she notices that, like, maybe some of it leaked out. Mmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mmm, mm. That's, yeah, that's tasty. That's a spicy meatball. That's, I think that's, that's, that's doing numbers. That's doing numbers, baby. That's getting on the board. Absolutely. Araki, call us. We got it, baby. Yeah, I, Araki's great, but people don't really know. He does use a lot of ghost writers. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? <laughs> yeah, us. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course it's true. Yes, of course it's true. What are you talking about? <clears throat> okay, oh, that's man. one down. Let's 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 try to let's try to get a, a third one here to like round us out. What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Let's jam one more in here. Uh, let's see here. All right, what do we got? Uh, something I'm feeling maybe like. <laughs> what is a casual worker? <laughs> A ca- I told you that's uh, that means underemployed. All right, let's do that. Casual worker. Okay, so basically, a deadbeat boyfriend. Yeah, uh, a loser, basically. Yeah, uh, and I don't know. Uh, all of these setting ideas are oddly racialized. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Um, you can't find a good one, huh? Not one that I think would pair well with casual worker. I'm, I'm going back. Hypnotherapist. All right, here we go. Okay, but okay. He's a hypnotherapist. Well, he or she, uh, or they. Immediately, immediately creep. Yep. Uh, all hypnotherapists are creeps. Uh, uh, a massive futuristic space station orbiting a distant planet. Okay, sp- space station. Space station and hypnotherapist. Um, okay, all right. Now, I do say the first hypnotist in anime I think of is, of course, uh, Django from One Piece. Really? That's who you think of? Yes, unfortunately. I was going to say, the, the one that springs to mind for me is uh, Ron Kanemahashi. Uh, yeah, but Django, like, he has the, the pendulum that he uses, you know, and he says you're getting very sleepy and all that shit. Okay, so he's literally, literally a hypnotherapist. Yeah, also, and he is Michael Jackson, so, like, the creep part is, like, very well established. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, let's see. We've got a hypnotherapist on a, an alien planet space station. Now, I'm thinking... Wait, those are already Kingdom Hearts names. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm thinking we call him... Uh, him, her, them, ex, ex, examia. Examia. That's All a right. good sci-fi name. X, X's always make good sci-fi That's names. That's also don't you think? a good fantasy name. Uh, you know what? 
my creative juices are flowing here. What if instead of space station, and hear me out here, uh, okay. we take a little bit of a pivot. We've got a hypnotherapist, uh, and he goes to uh, uh, Wizards Power High School. What about that? A hypnotherapist who goes to Wizards Power High School, and their name is Examia Drewswine. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. perfectly, that's a perfectly cromulent fantasy name. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Fantasy, uh, Powers High School, Examia, Drew Swine, Hypnotherapist. So, uh, let's, you know, let's obviously, roll. okay, well, I don't know. What, uh, give me a genre. Give me a genre. Let's try and, let's try and roll this we're rolling, in. We're rolling the dice. Oh. Oh. Oh? Okay. This is a Yuri. This is a Yuri manga. Interesting. So right okay. So Examia is uh, is going to be a woman. Mm-hmm. It's a lady. Mm-hmm. Or, or uh, I guess a girl because she's in high school. Now, she's a hypnotherapist. I'm thinking that uh, she's fallen in love with uh, one of the deeply troubled girls who can't access her powers. And so comes to Examia knowing that she's good at uh hypnotherapy uh to unlock her past lives right uh-huh and examia discovers that she is actually the most powerful magic powers high school user uh ever now what? and in, in order to protect her she has to make sure she never finds out oh okay like now are we talking like does she get some kind of vision portent of doom type thing like, let me ask you this. Is is hypnotherapy magical? <laughs> uh, in this in this case, it is. It definitely has to okay, be. Okay, so, so she has magical hypnotherapy powers. There is no such thing as non-magical hypnotherapy. I just want to <laughs> put that out there. I'm sorry if, if you've been taken in by a hypnotherapist. It is uh, not real. <laughs> if you've ever talked to a hypnotherapist in real life, you should probably talk to the police. Yeah, I think you should at least try to get your money back. I'm thinking that during the hypnotherapy session, much like we've seen in other anime, like her her original powerful personality kind of comes to the forefront temporarily and like explains itself to uh, Examia. Okay. And is like, I, I am the most powerful. I, you help, help unlock me. And she's like, oh, that's not good. She's got like a, a power personality or whatever. Yeah. So the series starts at first as if Examia is sort of cozying up to this girl in order to prevent anything happening, like any kind of like power leaks. But over time, she kind of develops affection for her and she kind of falls in love. And so the focus becomes making sure that her personality isn't overwritten by the the past lives, I don't know, demon or wizard or whatever. Okay, so now, now here's an interesting aspect. In this situation, mm-hmm. maybe... She by herself is not the most powerful, but she like a like a samurai deeper Kyo situation. Yeah, she has a demon lord trapped inside her, suppressed. That is the ultimate font of her powers. Yes, I I think that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, okay. And and through these hypnotherapy sessions, trying to help her suppress the demon lord and. And I don't know, uh, be a better person, quit smoking or whatever. (laughs) Uh, Through these sessions, she she slowly falls in love, um, which is, I just want to say, highly unethical for a doctor. Uh, I'm assuming also that that 
she okay. is she, a faculty <laughs> member at this Wizards of Powers High School no, and not no, another student. No, she's not. She's this. This is not a teacher-student Yuri. This is a student-student Yuri. I need. We are not. We need to make that clear. Okay, so she's not licensed then to practice hypnotherapy. No, she's just. She has uh, a reputation that she dabbles, and that's sort of you know it's a Powers High School, so people kind of are interested in each other's powers, and her power happens to be like hip, hypnosis. But she doesn't want to be. A we don't ba- call it that. We call it memory unlocking. Yeah. Well, she doesn't want to be a bad guy, right? She has a lot of anxiety about appearing to be a bad guy because hypnosis is, let's be real, fairly nefarious in fantasy and genre. Oh, I thought you were going to say therapy is fairly nefarious. <laughs> no, I'm not. I am not taking uh, a stand against therapy. Uh, but hypnotherapy, I think. So she she tries to change her image by using her therapy to help people. Right. That's kind uh-huh. of her deal. Yeah. And so she gets a she gets a, a kind of a reputation around campus of like, hey, if you have like weird shit bothering you, if you have things that you can't really work out, you know, if you go to the hypnotherapist, she's pretty good at like solving these problems. And that's where that's where our characters become acquainted. She she keeps shadowing this girl. And like I said, they become closer and closer. And every time uh, the girl in question uh, gets drawn into a conflict. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, people constantly pick fights with each other in Powers High Schools for some reason. I'm not really sure. All the time. Yeah. But these every time she gets into a fight, that fight threatens to give the the thing more power. Right. Yeah. So she is constantly trying to de-escalate fight situations. And that's where a lot of like kind of the drama and the humor will come in. Right. Sure. But ultimately, it's like she's trying to stop her from going beast mode because this may be the time that she doesn't come back. Right. Yes. That's like the that's the tension. That's the ticking time bomb. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. This absolutely has legs. Oh, it's got it's got some some long legs that go all the way up. Well, one one final thing. Let's try to address this what is the hypnotherapist's um natural enemy um i don't know (laughs) looking at your classmates high school uh photos on facebook uh a coconut that falls on their head (laughs) makes them forget things uh i mean i feel like like in this case the hypnotherapist's natural enemy would be the the subject's parents right and whatever unresolved trauma they have with that (laughs) oh so it all comes back to the parents it usually does oh it's it's about daddy huh listen it's essentially just end of ava but with like cute wizard lesbians that's my pitch (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's it that's my pitch and i think it has i think it has money on it okay okay i think this is i think this is great I think this has so much potential in any direction you want to go. If you want it to be funny, if you want it to be scary, if you want it to be exciting, I think there's so many directions you could take this. Mm -hmm. This is great. This is all gold. Yeah. And you know what? That was just one of a million ideas that we can come up with because we're so good at this. Yeah. I mean, look, we just did this really quick version of it so that we can kind of bring you, uh, you know, into the fold behind the curtain. Obviously, we didn't get into the whole process, the rigmarole that we go through, you know, during the pitch meetings uh, that we have with lots of high profile people all the time. Yeah, I mean, generally, when we're breaking one of these stories, we would get like, uh, you know, a nice uh, hotel room and kind of lock ourselves in there for for days at a time and just really like hammer out every detail of these stories. But, uh, you know, obviously uh, for the podcast, 
uh, sake, we are, we're not going to subject you to uh, 48 direct hours of uh, spitballing. <laughs> Sign up for the Patreon for that. <laughs> yeah, if you want the extended cut, let us know. <laughs> All right. Wow, that's, that's good shit. Yeah. Damn, we're good. Now, I want to, I want to make sure that I do call out now at the end of the show here. I don't know if you saw Nate, but um, somebody gave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. What? No shit. Really? Yeah. That is actually genuinely surprising to me. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not doing a bit. Like I, I'm very surprised. <laughs> you never thought you'd see the day. So I just want to shout out. Thank you, Milk Steak. I really appreciate that. Wow. Sunny reference. Good. Good job. You clicked the button and you said the the very nice thing. I, I appreciate it. I, apparently, our some of our brainwashing. Speaking of hypnotherapy, some of our brainwashing is actually working on these people. I know. Uh, you know what, milk steak? Thank you. Hands out. Thank you, milk steak. You're a real lad. You're a real one, for real, for real, for real. All right. Okay. Jesus Christ, that was a lot of anime. We even mm-hmm. created new anime that don't exist. That's that's psycho, man. That's crazy. <laughs> Whew, boy. Well, that that brings us to the end, to the bottom of the spiral for for this week. Uh, as always, I want to thank you, beautiful, handsome Me? listeners. No, not you. Never you. Oh, all right. Fine. No, Whatever. the people, the small people out there that make us who we <sighs> are. Fine, I guess. People like Milksteak, uh, who who are fighting the good fight, uh, giving us five stars on, on Apple Podcasts. Throwing out those sunny references. Yeah. Keep it up. Give us the stars. Ring the bells. Like, subscribe, do all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Man, it would be crazy if we got a second five-star Apple podcast review, huh? I know. I hope nobody does that, wink, wink. Wow, that would be crazy if somebody did that and, like, had a funny <laughs> joke name that we could say on the podcast. That would be crazy if that happened. We're on TikTok. We're on YouTube Shorts, uploading clips of the show. Yep. Check us yep. out there. Subscribe to the Blue Sky, please. I need interaction. Yeah. <laughs> Desperately. Uh, and And... Keep it cool, anime fans. <laughs> That's your new sign-off? That's my sign-off. That's my new thing. You're kind of pitching some new sign-offs. I like yeah. that one. It's all right. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Yeah. Between now and next pod, give me, come up with like, uh, I don't know, like three or four alts. Yeah. All right. I'll, yeah. I'll shotgun them. We'll, we'll workshop yeah, that. You think about that one. <laughs> all right, people. All right. Bye. Bye. Honestly, if it takes you seven years to make a movie, you're bad at making movies. I'm done playing games. I'm taking the kid gloves off.